0: and welcome to the common room the show where the crew gets to hang out and talk all things dungeons and doctorates as well as answering questions from you the audience i'm your host ross bolch and joining me this week we have our game master benjamin keenan it's me your friendly dungeons and doctorates dm (laughs) voice of the delightful (laughs) meredith meadowlark dr joanna howes hello and of course voice of the mysteriously aloof potentia kate o'sullivan Woo, we're back in the common room. Woo-hoo. We are. And to begin, we also have a special guest, Kiralee Burnett. Welcome Yay. to the show.
1: You just can't get rid of me. I just keep coming back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Repeat offender, Kiralee Burnett.
1: <laughs> yeah. Carryover champion. <laughs>
0: Ooh. Ooh. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us today. And also, audience, please beware, this episode of The Common Room contains spoilers for episodes right through to the current arc of literary infestation. I wanted to start off, actually, um, I'm not sure if this got actually read out on the last Common Room or a mid-show message, but we did get a question that was actually more of a comment in true academic style, (laughs) um, but actually in a good way. Um, And Sonia says, I don't have a question. I just wanted to say hi and that I love the show. I recently defended my PhD in bioengineering, focused on orthopedics, congrats. That's, uh, yeah, it's like one of the most difficult things to do, to like stand in a room of people and like tell them why that you have value. It's such a weird thing. I'm good, I promise.
2: (laughs) And she it's says, so
0: great. I, I love the attention to detail to student life and advisor, um, like advisee advisor relationships. And the role play is great, too. You've got a fan in Pennsylvania. So thank you so much. Oh,
3: that's so cool. I also
2: happen to know that Sonia, I think, has bought some of our merch, yeah.
3: which is yeah, cool.
0: Which is yeah. a crazy thing. Like we um <laughs> we kind of designed that mostly for us and never yeah. really uh
3: <laughs> pretty much <laughs>
0: thought that anyone would actually go out and get it but it's really awesome to see people around the world with like d and docks and firmastis related yeah. stuff yeah. so um yeah thank you so much and thanks for sending your pictures when you do it actually really mm. uh makes a big difference for us um, we really enjoy it so yeah. um but let's get started about talking about this the other show that we do um, oh, yeah. This is the show <laughs> where we talk about the show, um, but uh, I guess first, Kiralee, um congrats! Um, I was really lucky to get to take part in. I think it was the first ever time that you live streamed as a DM.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've DM'd a lot. In fact, pre- that uh, the stream that I do, Hit Dice Heroes, is basically the only time, um, and Dungeons and Doctorates is the only time that I'm not uh, DMing. I'm like uh, patient zero for D and D in my friendship group. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, everybody like you know everybody's learned how to play from me, and there are now some like DMs from that group. But yeah, that was my first time live on the internet, and even when it's only in in front of a couple of people, it is scary. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's kind of a lot different, I guess, right? Like, because normally when you're a DM, you already have a lot to monitor because you have different players and you have story beats and monsters and, you know, all the other stuff that goes with like, you know, looking after a group, but then kind of monitoring a stream and like, you know, all of that stuff on top. That's pretty crazy.
1: You had to do that yourself? No, well, yeah, well... No and yes, yes. Right, in that okay. I kept an eye on it because I felt right. like that was uh, my, you know, part of my responsibility. But we also have um, uh, an incredible uh, mod called Beck, and oh, they, um, yeah, they're they're always hanging out in chat and um, helps so much. But that's really cool. But um, and it helps out. You know, chat's pretty quiet. They're they're very uh, respectful, but it's good to have somebody there, um, hovering over the nope button. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, like, paired everything really, really far back. Um, when I, like, when I play, I have, like, a map, like in real life, I have, like, a map and music and mm-hmm. I like props. I, I really love props in D&D. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I often have, like, pictures. Like, I have a slideshow for myself that I'm describing and I'll, like, turn that around and show everybody if I don't feel like I can describe it well enough. But I didn't have any of that. <laughs> like, it was mm-hmm. just yeah. literally, like... Not nah, it's theater of the mind. We're just telling a story. Yeah. All of that is too hard. Yeah. 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 It's too much yeah, to keep an eye on. It's
2: funny. I got some really good feedback from a friend of mine who runs uh one of the fairly well-known D&D wikis online. Uh, that he really enjoys listening to D Doctorates because it's basically like someone telling him a story because mm-hmm. everything is theatre of the mind. So yeah. theres isn't they're not miss you're not missing out on anything mm. by not being there because we have to describe everything mm-hmm. because we can't see it either.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and definitely one of the be- benefits of like specifically being a podcast there is an audio medium. I think that that helps a little bit as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about Cobalt Capers because Kirilly, you were our, our special guest for that. Yeah, um, and it was it was so much fun to have you and to like oh my gosh, have, it was fun. Um, have someone new as well to sort of be part of this sort of play den that we have of uh, of, of the little world that that Ben created for us. Um, and it was kind of interesting as well because we, we all played these, like, squishy level one kobolds. And I'm curious, like, whether for you that was, like, liberating or terrifying. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, it was liberating. As I said, I, I DM so often. It was liberating just to be able to play a character. Um... And I, I don't really have any fears about characters like dying in games. I, I like, um, I think, like, for, for me, that I think that would be fun. So, no, it wasn't terrifying. It definitely like upped the. Um, yeah, I think it definitely made it more exciting. But,. Um, but yeah, the Cobalt Capers was so good. And I've actually used those heist rules now like two other times in, in games. Um, yes. Yeah, they're so, so good.
0: Well, how did you all find cool. this sort of... um Because it wasn't... Obviously, we had the heist mechanics, but also heisting was the game. You know, oh how did goodness. you all find that as a change of pace?
3: That game was so much fun. I found it really, really, really fun. Just the change of pace it was it wasn't so like I really really enjoy the pace that we set in Dungeons and Doctors because I think it's Mm. like it's not too fast it's not too slow I think it's really good um and it fits the storytelling style that we have and you know but every now and then it's just really nice to do something that's like fast paced and like yeah, it was just it was real fun and we got to be tiny little kobolds, which is just <laughs> adorable. So I was yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um I mean the other game that I
2: play in we had we have done a heist, but not obviously with the same heist actions and stuff uh, before. And I always think that's really fun because so often you can accidentally get bogged down in role play, like I know full well that there are episodes that we have had and that we will continue to have that are role-play, almost role-play only with very little dice rolling, um, Mm, which for us works really well, but can also feel very um, not D&D, quote-unquote, to (laughs) people who are used to highly combat-driven D&D or whatever. Mm, Um, mm. And so I think something like a heist is a really good balance of like you've got to do the rolling, because you're trying to sneak around and do all these things, but you also get that opportunity to do a little bit of role play if you kind of want to um, to get around things, if you you want, like um, doing that high section, be like, oh yes, I did pre-prepare smoke bombs. So yes, uh, yes. Totally.
0: That happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm, 100%. Yeah, and I think the nice thing about that is um, it it actually, uh, I think it probably enabled a little bit of creativity that sometimes you don't get normally because in the heat of the moment you get to sort of retroactively make something cool happen specifically mm. where obviously in regular D&D there's a lot more emphasis on the planning and the preparing whereas this was like you know what would be cool if we'd done this and so we just did that you know and that mm-hmm. was that was yeah. kind of nice
4: yeah and it also of- it worked for the the time frame we had for a single episode
1: Mm. where i allowed yeah. you
4: to go into a scenario that you didn't know about but could still do those classic high setup things like we prepared for this eventuality because we did the stakeout we did all the research mm. but without yeah, having to really do clever. any of that research stuff yeah mm. which is obviously the opposite to what we do in the normal game because we have to do all the research stuff
2: hey. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get out no. Oh, <laughs> bye.
3: <laughs>
0: bye, Kate. <laughs> so, Joe, I'm think I'm correct in this that your character, Sneak, mm-hmm. is only the second character that you've sort of conceptualized and played. I think. Yeah. And yeah. you sort of, you sort of gave yourself this interesting characteristic of having <laughs> what's essentially a non-verbal character right um, basically yeah yeah a very I verbal mean, medium yeah yeah like how, was... how did you find that as a challenge I'm really curious because it was it was really cool like as a characterization I, I thought it was I thought it was great but
3: I, I don't know what I was thinking anyway <laughs> no it was really fun um Snake was really fun yeah I mean I think I kind of teased it a little bit because I was like, like describing what she was doing and that kind of thing around it but yeah she was, she was really really fun I um I thought of it and just kind of went yeah let's do that and there was no like second guessing because I thought that was hilarious um, mm-hmm. well, I, I, lo- I love the just, idea like, of like me.
4: you saying one word and then someone making a really high insight check and then you <laughs> fully describing exactly <laughs> what you mean and yes. all they get is sneak You're Like sneak, ah. and that's
1: it with like
3: a, various inflections at the end. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I um I like I play lots with uh, young young players, and mm-hmm. uh, I I ran a kid's birthday, um, a thirteen-year-old birthday, and um, most of the um, they are all girls, and most of them hadn't played ever before, and some of them were really really uh, nervous and anxious. And so um, one of them dealt with that by choosing to make a character, to roll a character that couldn't talk. Mm. And so yeah. they, like, sorry, that couldn't, like, verbally speak. And so yeah. then they they said that they, like, had a sign language with another character. And so they just formed, like, a, a duo. And so mm-hmm. all their role play was, like, nonverbal role play. And it was great. And I think that's, like, it's a really good. Yeah. Um, that and like a, a, you know, a Groot kind of character like Sneak or is a really good type of character for people <gasps> who, yeah, are just are legitimately inc- like pretty anxious about uh, what, mm-hmm. how to put sentences together, what they're going to say. And it's like you can stretch your muscles and, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same as playing an awkward character or a character that stumbles over their words. Like you can just build that into yeah. your character.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think you can wreck I- on it.
2: Yeah. I think we often forget that doing what we do is quite an intimidating thing for people yeah, who've very. never done improv, never done theatre, never done anything like this before. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us who are involved in the, the core cast have all done science presenting or, you know, gotten up mm-hmm. in front of groups of people and talked before. Um, we're the spicy
1: theatre kids. um...
2: I think I'm a spicy theatre kid. I don't know if the others would class themselves as spicy
4: theatre kids. I was a a theatre kid until it required me to memorise lines. (laughs) Offstage spicy theatre kid, yeah.
2: Uh, But that idea of like, because I was thinking about it uh, in the context of my upcoming teaching prac, is that, um, you know, I want kids to stand up in front of a room full of children that they know every day they see them in school and present stuff that they've learned. Like, that's a weirdly intimidating thing to get kids to do unless you've built an environment in which they're comfortable to do so. And that can be as simple as putting into play things like, your character can be awkward. That's
0: okay. Like, you're allowed. You can be whoever. Um, yeah, I mean, Kirillia, I guess I wanted to ask you about that because you play d and uh, with young people a lot. Obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. it's kind of one of the things that you do. So how do you find D&D just as a as a tool in general? Uh, you know, like, do you do you find that it helps a lot of kids that, you know, like that, that gives like a benefit even at that young age?
1: So I guess one thing I will just like sort of clarify is that for me, d and kind of become like Kleenex or like stick- mm-hmm. or like, like it's. I shouldn't, but it's a word that I use to describe what I do when actually I, yeah, I don't yeah. really play no. D&D a lot with um, with kids. I, I have um, with kids, but because normally when I'm playing with them, it's like we meet, we learn how to do it, we play the game all in like three hours. Uh, mm. That's not long enough time to teach a kid how to play D&D <laughs> and like build a character and, and all that kind of thing. So I, I have played with... Um, with high school kids with pre-generated like which means um characters that have already been made that i bring and then they sort of flavor them however they want um but yeah so i play um there's a a ttrpg called growly Darks, which is really really simple and um and like pretty i really like
2: quest for that too yeah yeah. um yeah just they're really easy access points
1: and even with those games, I usually end up just playing, um, just playing role play with some dice. Like we're playing, it's it's exactly the same as when you're a kid and you're playing make believe, um, except uh, you can't just make it whatever you want. There's like uh-huh. some provisos, although everybody always gets a pet dragon because apparently every kid <laughs> is exactly the same, and everybody wants every a pet adult dragon. is exactly the same. Yeah, I'm a pet yeah. dragon. I
3: mean,
2: who oh, would? I, would, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I picked a different familiar by choice for potential, but like, who wouldn't want a pet dragon?
1: No, it's fine. It's just every <laughs> time I start playing with the kids, the first uh, the, they break my game immediately, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I said I was, um, I said I was going to say yes to whatever. I said, you get three items. Pet dragon, that's not... Okay, good. All right, sure. The mm-hmm. um, thing about pet dragons before- is
4: you end up becoming the dragon's pet. That is the reality of that situation. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. in charge. It's in, in very much like a cat. You. It is in charge and you are its pet now. <laughs> mm.
1: Absolutely. Um, but it's incredible. The tabletop role-playing games... Uh, I guess the the thing about them is it's like any sort of any sort of situation where you're choosing to make yourself emotional and vulnerable and mm. uh, in a social setting. So like, I, I don't think that the panacea that's going to fix everything. But for people, uh, for uh, autistic kids, and for people with anxiety issues, and like all sorts of things. Uh, it's one thing that absolutely can be very, very useful um, and uh, therapeutic, really, and is used in therapy for for some mm. for some kids. So, um, yeah, I, I see lots of incredible, uh, incredible situations with kids that, uh, like I said, that example of a student. Uh, uh, yeah a child choosing to play a character that couldn't talk um i mean like i've had students in my class with uh like selective who are selectively mute um which is not really a term that's used anymore um (laughs) you know a lot of times those students are just uh girls with undiagnosed autism because uh autism in uh girls is very highly highly under underdiagnosed. But yeah. Yeah. what I mean by that is a student that uh, for all intents and purposes could talk physically but chooses not to talk because of um, anxiety. Mm. Anyway, and um, after that game that those students that I was talking to sort of I uh, had a better understanding of like how much can be going on inside your brain even if you're being completely quiet. Mm-hmm. and that and that reflection and linking that back to that student was really like it wasn't a huge thing it was just a little just a little moment but it was a little moment where they're like oh like just because somebody's staring at you and isn't saying anything uh, that doesn't mean they're not communicating with you
0: you know I think it's great that because TTRPGs have sort of in the past five years even maybe just kind of they've stopped becoming this, weird outsider hobby I, I think it's nice that we can use ttrpgs to to like maybe make breakthroughs that might otherwise be difficult because it creates a sort of safer space for people to um you know try things that they couldn't do in a situation like in real life quote where there are more consequences whereas in ttrpgs you know you you have the chance to sort of try out things and at the end of the session it's done and you don't necessarily but to to take real lessons away from that i think is awesome Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah it's um it's uh i think even just as adults like as an adult i've learned lots of things from uh the actual story stories that Mm. i've played through with my friends but also from just like having the opportunity to to get together i I don't think i've ever gotten together with friends as often and as much ever in my life since starting this hobby and Mm. just just that opportunity um also doing like and when i was hanging out i was just hanging out with those people like this Mm. is like getting together and actually you've got a goal you're doing a thing it's an activity um and that might be I don't know. That might be normal for other people, but definitely for me, it's uh, it's it's great. And so I've I've learned so much about different people and uh, and also about like group dynamics and how to how to deal with different difficult situations. Which there always is lots because mm-hmm. you know we're because humans. humans. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, I, I also think the thing that I really love about role-playing games is that it feels a bit to me like um, something we've just always done. Like, mm. like getting around. like storytelling. Yeah. yeah, fundamentally, yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I do like D&D. I play it a lot. I do love other role-playing games. I play them a lot. But the actual, like, label of what it is we're doing doesn't matter so much to me as, like... Um, just the act of like, I, I sorry. I'll I'll tell you this story and then I'll be quiet. But uh, yeah. no, I, it's fine. There's a role playing game called Good Society, mm. which is a Jane Austen role playing game uh, made by um, s- some Australians. It's so good, and um, it's not dice based. It's sort of card based, but then also not really. It, it's, oh, I've it's, seen it's, that one. Um, yeah, there's there's a sort of Somebody, um, Superdillion on Twitter coined this phrase where like d and is like a crunchy role-playing game and then you mm. go from crunchy to like creamy. Yeah. This is like a creamy role-playing game where there's very few mm. rules, just a couple of mechanics to keep it going. Anyway, um, I was invited to play one of those, uh, a game online, not streamed. We did three sessions, had never met any of the people, jumped onto Discord, played three sessions. I'll probably never play with them again. There's like a whole Jane Austen story that we wrote together <laughs> that yeah. was so interesting, so complex, so angsty, so many love triangles. It yes. was so so good, and I try and I try to tell people about it, but it's like trying to tell people a dream like it just floats away. Mm-hmm. But but all us just like five strangers in that Discord are the only people who will ever like hear that hear that story. And I love <laughs> that.
2: Yeah. I love that yeah. you just managed to articulate
0: why I love improvised
3: theatre.
1: Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm like,
0: yes, all of
1: this?
3: Yes. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Well, Paul, super superfan Paul, um, had a few questions uh, about the Cobalt Caper, so uh, I want to run through a couple of those. Uh, we will be hearing from Paul again later. <laughs> Paul wants to know, uh, while playing the Cobalt Caper one-shot, uh, what was it like connecting with past events from the main campaign? So I guess that's one for... Uh, myself joe and kate the most but
2: i guess we really didn't notice that we had until later enough in it that we weren't thinking about it like yeah yeah, these it was so much more of a hey we're 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 playing this this game as characters that we are for this Mm -hmm. game that Mm. the, the weaving in I think all of us had our little like, huh, cool um, moment, yeah. but without it necessarily being. Um, yeah. Yeah.
3: There was, I do remember, I don't think I had any of those like specific moments during playing the Cobalt Capers, but there was definitely one when we were playing the main campaign where I think there's a moment in the Cobalt Capers where there's a music room and you can hear music coming from it. And um, and Ben just like dropped into the conversation that you know Meredith has been like practicing and like, and I was like, oh my goodness! If we'd gone in there, you would have seen
0: me. <laughs> it was so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, exploded. like in the back of my head, I there were, I was like, huh, oh, that's interesting. But yeah, by the time those moments happened, like I was I was too busy being squeak to. Really like yeah. process it in the moment, um, but yeah, um it was it was cool though, and uh, i don't I think this has already happened, but moments from the Kobold caper have popped up in the story, uh, yeah as well the yeah, so, sure. and, and obviously, like Ben does a great job of weaving in those like very subtle but yeah like fun callbacks and throw forwards and and those kind of things, yeah. so yeah. Uh, let's have a look Paul also wanted to know are all of the events from the one shot canon and do you feel the repercussions of your actions if they make (laughs) it back towards the main campaign Uh, well Paul yes they are canon those Mm -hmm. are events that that happened Meredith Uh, was very
3: salty that she didn't get turkey
2: she was I remember that because there was some reference to the fact
0: that
3: there was was the the turkey got stolen from Griffith Hall yeah Yeah. Griffith Hall not Griffith Hall
0: I don't want to give too much away but watch the space for uh repercussions in the main campaign
2: Uh. (laughs) yeah i i think yeah it's one of those things where i will never play a game like never play a game that's to do with what we do that i where i assume that we don't have some impact on the world because Mm, we have very deliberately kept these one shots in the world Mm -hmm. they're not separated um mm. and there's other you know upcoming things and so on that we've we've talked about but that uh are for an announcement at a later date mm. but um Ooh, i think that idea Secrets. of you know <laughs> <laughs> not even kiralee knows <laughs> <laughs> um but those those ideas of like these things do have repercussions in the same way that the repercussions of any character's actions mm-hmm. in any game of dnd have repercussions on things in that world
4: this is, this is a game yeah. world that I have run for quite some time and mm-hmm. at some points had mm. multiple game groups playing <gasps> through the, boat the story. same... story! Yeah. yeah, multiple game groups playing through the same world at the same time. Um, mm. The best example being one group was waiting for a shipment of supplies for something on this uh, trade boat that did mm. this well-known route. And another group blew up that ship. <laughs> 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 so those supplies never arrived which caused this whole other chain of events uh because my world is uh currently only being played in by by you but it is a world that i consider to be alive um so that things will happen in the world even if you aren't directly involved with them in the same way that a real Um, world has those things happen yeah
3: which is just so cool yeah Stop it with your world building, but don't stop it with your world building. It's amazing.
0: Ross here. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Common Room. If you have questions of your own or you would like to submit a message to the crew, you can head to dndoctorates.com. That's dndoctorates.com. There you will also find our wiki, which also has an abundance of information about the show as well. If you want to check out our merch, you can also head to merch.dndoctorates.com. It does help support the show and obviously we really appreciate the support. And also don't forget to check us out on social media. We have Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and you can find us all at d on all of those accounts as well. And now back to the show. So um, how would you feel if the party ended up encountering your kobolds if you came across them? I think the interesting thing is, is that obviously I, the player, would be aware of it, but my character has no idea who these kobolds are, so I, you know, it it actually, from a role-playing perspective, wouldn't mean much at all, because, I mean, Harold doesn't personally know any of these kobolds, he's aware that kobolds are around the campus, but, you know, he has no idea what the inner workings of a kobold society are, particularly.
2: I mean I think it would be more interesting if Mac ran into the Kobolds personally from because like I mean I can imagine them stealing out of out of the cafe on campus I feel, yeah. like. <laughs> I feel like that's statistically a likely thing given the mm-hmm. theft of food um, mm. and I think yeah for, for me I'm less concerned about potential running into Kobold me um, because I don't know that that's that, that would change how I play that situation i think it would be Mm. more interesting for me how i would manage um the voices well what i was gonna say was um if we had the um cast run into the um Mm. the main cast because i'm the only one who would be in a situation of playing both people and they're very different people that's very true um Including a massive accent shift that would be very fun and very hell um, mm. to try and manage. Do it, do it. <laughs> I, I don't know that slightly posh to very very Irish adjacent um, is something I want to be trying to do every other sentence. Um, <laughs> yeah, personally.
0: I mean that episode was so much fun. Um, I I I got to edit that episode and uh, it, it was. I, I had a really fun time. It, it's so interesting because obviously, like, when Ben and I do the editing, uh, you know, we, we've already lived it once. And so mm-hmm. you, you already, I, I mean, I've already edited the episode in my head half the time when we record, because that's just eventually how your brain starts to work. Yeah. But with this, it was great because you were really listening in a way that I don't think you would as a consumer of the podcast when you're trying to edit something that you weren't involved in, but that you're still trying to craft a particular vision around, I think you listen to it in a different way. And yeah, I, I really hmm. enjoyed that episode. I mean, it's interesting I had as some, well. I had some
4: good fun with the uh, the music for the Cobalt Caper.
0: Yes, that was actually, yeah, we, I mean, tried something different, didn't we really? there, um, Kind of with the music, it was... Um, It was cool, like the the sort of heist music and stuff. Like we were, I think we were going for slightly more cinematic feel than we do with the podcast. Mm. I feel like in the podcast, we're trying to ground it a little bit. And obviously the music's there to basically fill in the noise that is inherent in recording more than anything. Well, and also, you know, it's it's nice that I think if you tried to do cinema, like
2: that sort of full on cinematography style uh, music every week, that's a lot more work for the two of you Mm. to do. Uh, Specifically, Mm. a lot more work for you to do Ross, every week because with the mastering, it becomes a bigger deal where I think if you're looking Mm. at it from a one-shot perspective, my gut feel is that that would be, quote-unquote, easier. Um, Mm. I might be wrong there, but...
4: I I use... I I was really happy with using certain audio cues to, like, drive that story as it went along and keep Mm. this kind of, like, heartbeat tension ratcheting as
0: it... through those moments... And just for the audience at home, um, we do not hear that when we record. No, nope. um, no, that's that's all added in after the fact. So, yeah, Did it is sometimes music? interesting.
2: Did we have music for Uscapeads? I cannot remember. No, I played too we many didn't. games now. No, we didn't. Cool. No. No.
0: Memory. But, but yeah. that was uh, that was such a good episode, and I mean, I'm kind of curious because obviously, Joe, you haven't played too many TTRPGs. No. And um Kate you're relatively new Reno speaking wise so I mean I suppose how often do the three of you get and I'll broaden it I guess because of that not just TTRPGs but collaborative games in general how how often do you get to play as an all-women group because video games TTRPGs I mean they're still pretty male-dominated aren't they at the moment
2: well I think we talked a bit about that We talked a bit about that on The Common Room um, when it was just the Uscapades cast. But Mm -hmm. I think pretty much all of us said that we'd never really done it or if we had it, it had only been once or twice before. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. I have a slightly slight exception to that, I guess, for myself, because I have played on um, improv teams that are all women Mm. Either by design or by coincidence, um, just by the nature of who is available. So I think I probably come at it from a slightly different perspective. But I also go into doing something like that with a very different mindset Mm. because I'm not walking in with a character. I'm walking in with a, well, we're going to do something and not really knowing what that will look like at the other end.
1: Yeah. I have a table that's all um, my longest friends and they're pretty much all mums of like two or three kids now. Um, and I get to play with them whenever uh, sleeping schedules and mm. you know uh, school holidays and partners' availability allow. And um, yeah, it's 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 good. I, it, I I I enjoy it. It's not it's not something I I feel like I specifically try and seek out and find because. I really do enjoy playing with everybody, but mm-hmm. I do enjoy like creating that space for other people who, yeah. um, who that's something that they haven't had a chance to do, or like yeah. So it's it's it definitely is a different vibe, and I, I do mm-hmm. like it. I thought
0: so too, and it was kind of it was kind of nice. Um, you know, as a listener, it was nice for something different because there are like a million or male D and D podcasts uh there's so many <laughs> 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 and uh I think it was yeah it was really refreshing to sort of have a different perspective on gameplay a little bit and I, I don't want to say too much about it because you should listen to the common room uh that, that all the women did together um I think it's a really good
2: listen um I will also say that I was really excited by the fact that we had a couple of other people who were interested in playing in that particular game. Um, obviously, we mm. limited it to mm-hmm. the the number of people we kind of aim for um, every time, but we certainly have other female players uh, or female mm. identifying players mm. who mm. are looking forward to participating potentially in one shots in the future. It's just yeah, we'll, something we'll that out we're the working bat towards at some point. With yeah. oh, the bat signal is up and I have a list It's great uh, I'm really yeah. looking forward to that um, I, have, I have a
1: serious bit day. of feedback though You really mm. need to give people a heads up If there's going to be like a really cool Like <laughs> astrophysicist In the room
2: Kiralee, <laughs> to be fair, you jumped <laughs> in with so 48 weird. hours notice, not yeah. even I did not exactly have time to prep ever. you <laughs> oh, For,
3: co- for you may, context
2: it's Kirsten's not. day it's Seriously. not in the recording, but Kira Lee oh, was n- was nerding out mm-hmm.
3: hardcore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because and it was beautiful. She
1: crossed by m- when we we're coming in, I was like, oh, like th- she would be really good. Like she's on, she's on TikTok, yeah. so yeah. she's definitely seen stuff about D and D because there's yeah. lots of D and D stuff on TikTok. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, next time I'll like I'll suggest it to somebody like like i had that all scientists know each other right like somebody'll know it and and then i go, and then i literally had that thought as i was clicking on the discord and then she was just there and that i was yeah. very cool about it totally
2: <laughs> yeah it was so uh, glorious i oh, think the no. only reason that joe and i can laugh though is like we've all had that moment at different points mm. with different people and i yes. think absolutely. like it was just mm. beautiful to mm. watch someone oh else gosh. have that moment yeah. of yeah, like
0: absolutely <gasps> And Kirsten, you know, so uh, is so generous with her time, yeah, oh, with the public, obviously, and um, you know, did such a great job. Uh, that was her I, first
2: I, ever TTRPG game mm-hmm. ever. ever, and yeah, she willingly so had it recorded yeah. by our little podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah. oh. No, you know, not just the gaming, but the role play. Just like she really dived in uh, yeah, from the it very first really moment, and yeah, that yeah. was that was great. Honestly, we
3: love you, but, Kirsten. Heck yes.
0: Yeah, honestly, if you if you don't. Um, if you don't watch Kirsten's uh, content on TikTok, it's really what are you great. doing with your life yeah. if you don't watch it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't even think you have to necessarily be like massively into astronomy. It's just like nah. the presentation is so mm-hmm. approachable. Uh, I, I think, I think you'll do well to to sort of have a look. But so, Joe, I'm actually curious because I think this is also the first time that you played with a different GM. And I'm yeah. curious, I'm curious how that was for you, because I, I'm lucky that I have played with a few different GMs and everyone has their own style. <laughs> but yeah, like, just
3: were there differences? Di- yeah, not Ben's better, like, Ben, yeah. just different. Just not yeah. better, just
0: different. He like, just went
3: there... into the microphone a bit and was like, "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> but um, were,
0: there, were there differences playing with Ben? Like, how did, did, it, did it change the game for you much? Or at the end of the day, was it kind of still, you know, D&D?
3: Think it was kind of just still DD, you know
1: mm.
3: like i think every you know both gms both debbie and um and ben have had very different styles but they're so different you can't really compare them you know
4: mm. Mm. yeah as someone who has played a lot of D with a lot of different dms yeah that makes complete sense like everyone's mm-hmm. different everyone has different things they emphasize and focus on yeah,
2: and every table is different too. Like yeah, what, absolutely. what mm-hmm. Ben might do for us is completely different to what Ben. I mean, we've spoken about the mm-hmm. fact that some of your groups are more combat driven.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that's going to make a difference.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Most times, I, I felt very into the story. Like I didn't
2: mm. ever
3: kind of go, "Oh, you know what I mean?" Like I, I, I never felt like I was being pulled out of the story because of some sort of clash or whatever. Like,
1: Mm.
3: yeah, both very talented at like creating and crafting the world in very different ways.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that um, Debbie runs a game for me and a couple Mm -hmm. of friends. And um, the way that Debbie makes the world feel alive is definitely different to the Mm -hmm. way Ben does it. But because you're in it in that moment, that those differences Mm -hmm. aren't important as long as it's happening. And Absolutely. They're, they're both great GMs in the way that those little differences are are really what make a good game great, you know. Yeah. yeah and it's and, like, and this I think they
3: both just kind of like give you the scenario and then just kind of go, "Okay, cool. You guys yeah. do whatever." And they trust us to do that, and I think yeah. that's really that's fun.
0: And it's not easy and I definitely don't I definitely don't want to like accidentally call out DMs who you know, stick to say published material and and only sort of guide people along a particular story because GMing is really hard and the fact that you're doing it at all is is amazing. Um, I'm currently writing not for D and
4: doctorates but for a different thing that I'm involved with a mm. one hour D and D scenario and having a D and scenario that involves some combat and some role playing that lasts one hour is really hard, mm-hmm. and we're, I'm, we're having to think about how much railroading do we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: But, I mean, to be fair, Ben, most, like, Cobalt Capers was only an hour and a half, and it was really only an hour and a half because we all had to get our heads around how the heist actions worked.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, functionally, you know. This is uh, a scenario that can be for any range of d d players who have, mm. people who have never played before people who are very experienced yeah it's <laughs> sure my point is more you know you can do it, it we can. see you do it, it we know you can yes yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true
1: there's but definitely guess- like a whole range from like uh i've like really st- tried to start stretching my muscles of like just sitting down at the table without any prep like mm-hmm. no prep, like full on improvised DD. Improved D yeah. D. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I definitely because I started I, uh, I started with the starter box and then I did Tomb of Annihilation, mm. which is oh crunchy as anything if anybody's <laughs> done that mm-hmm. um, that campaign. And uh, halfway through I was like, this is terrible, I just want to homebrew. Um, but uh, but the the one that I DM'd on stream uh, the other day That's a that's a one shot That's a, a written yeah. adventure That's mm-hmm. incredibly mm-hmm. Like on specific rails And um, Yeah And all, all of that Is really fun I also mm. You were saying about Like different flavours of, of DM And different Like everyone brings Different strengths There are some DMs Who can draw And they like mm. Make all mm-hmm. the little Like sprites Or the little um, mm. Things that you're Going to fight But also I have Um a DM, uh, somebody who used to be a player who now DMs and her name's Hannah and she always has like an edible thing like Mm. an edible element or like a drinkable element. There's like an actual real world thing Mm. that you are consuming and sometimes Mm. that's fun. It's like sometimes it's um, apple cider and then other times it's you have to down this shot glass of um, what was it? Um, It was... Um, what's the dark vinegar called? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, balsamic. B- yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, mm. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So like, Can we obviously- just point out that
3: I, like, my brain went immediately to molasses, the ultimate <laughs> of vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yep. Also, that also uh, would I'm going to go
1: over here now. <laughs> <laughs> obviously allowing for everybody's, like, tummies and everything, but, uh, yeah, that's Fun. That's really cool.
4: I have played previously with a DM who was very, very mechanically minded and very, very focused on crafting specific combat encounters and really, like, nailing into those mechanics. This is when mm. we were playing 3.5, where yeah. you could get really down and gritty with those those systems. Um, so, you know, I've, I've played with very different kinds of DM. I also played with a DM who was very, very lore and world Uh, Driven, who Mm. had like years of military experience as well. And so Mm. running that campaign was really different because like I'm playing in a world with somebody who knows how the military actually works and like being in that military, in being in the guard in that world was a really different experience to being in like the guard in a different game where they don't necessarily have that kind of inner knowledge of the workings of a military or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I think everybody has something they can bring to like running, running a game, and you don't really mm. know what it is yeah. until you sit down and and you're there. But like, yeah. like even like the uh, the Doctorate's world is is like you said, like a world that uh, it's like a, a fleshed out world that other other games have been in, and it's mm. almost like a. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah yeah it's like it's like a full place that you can go i've never like as a dm i've never really created anything like that but um i mean this was this was a world i I
4: built and then had people play through so it's a world that has evolved and grown over time like you are the d doctorates group is arriving into my world roughly 15 years after i started it so cool. Mm. So mm-hmm. so while you're getting here, like, the world is being touched. The The city of Ferramastus is named after a player in a previous campaign. Yeah. Mm. So, like, the world is well and truly being moulded by previous groups and campaigns.
2: And I think you can really tell that, too. Like, people remark that the world is really, you know dense and vibrant and we can do things within it and it feels like a place because it kind of is it is a place because it has a history and it has you know things that tie it in the same way that quote unquote real places do
1: i wonder who will who will live in it after you guys
4: it's true Hmm. i once spent over an hour naming a river because I was going through, like, the language evolution of, like, okay, it would have been called this by the elves who who colonized here, and then then humans came along, and they asked the elves what it was called, and then they just messed up the language over time. But there were the elves there who were still around, so the language didn't drift as much. Like, like, went through a full language progression for a river that, like, no one's even known about. No one knows. I just know.
1: I love, what I really love about that is that it, like every game I play, at some point we need to name something, and I go around mm. the table, and everyone gives me a letter, and that's how we yeah. name the thing. And um, both very valid. Well, <laughs> <but laughs> so <ridiculous.
0: But> that's <laughs> it, though, right? Like, it's in so the same good. Way,
4: like <laughs> Tol- Tolkien invented languages, but then he had characters named Treebeard
0: and Mount Doom, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's like, so good about he's TTRPGs. He's allowed to have a lazy day. Yeah. <laughs> like all of this works right and i think that's the cool thing about about ttrpgs i was curious one thing i one thing i was trying to figure out about uh uscapades is um obviously like you all jumped in to this situation where like your characters were all supposed to just be having like a quiet coffee afternoon um which happened right yeah yeah which was that was actually an organic moment that happened. I'm not quite. I don't quite remember how the editing went, but that was something the players just came up with by themselves, like on the spot. Um, but how much? How much of the players' motivation during the episode was the desire to kind of like contain oozers and sort of help the city? And how much of it was actually mostly sympathy for Susie?
3: Oh, a lot of it was sympathy for Susie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's be I
0: I think for, for me, it was a com- a,
2: a good solid combo, 50 50 of these things should not be in the environment. I better go get them.
3: Yeah. Mm. The minute Susie went, my oozes, I was like, okay, I'm going to have
2: to help you. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I am so, like, I think that's like future merch is yes. just, uh, just my it's just, oozes. It's, so it's, good. It's, it's
3: cubey. A very sad, cubey, the gelatinous cube. Holding a. <laughs> See, I was just thinking my it's just
2: QB with my oozes, but I just have to work out how do you phonetically write it to give it the right level of like... It's M-A-H, it's ma,
4: but it's like... Uh, oozes. you, you, you do like oozes! like a uh, You uh, make the, the oozes be a curve, like the, the word is my curved. Oozes. My oozes!
1: I think Mac was so suspicious, suspicious of Susie all the way up to the end. Oh, she mm. was! Yeah, it was Yeah. Great so sucks but i think also though playing a one shot like that um also your motivation is like that improv motivation of like your and yesing as well like Mm you're
2: like jump on the grenade
1: that's the thing i think some of the more difficult players or, or some of the more difficult people probably at the start of their journey of playing um that's they're not necessarily always like this but like they're, they're trying to just do whatever they want and they don't really have in their head the matter of, no, but we're just, we're trying to like, <laughs> there's a story and somebody's like gone to a lot of effort to make that story. Yeah. So, right. um, that goes. If they're offering you something, um, unless you have a really good reason not to pick up the offer, like, like imagine if we had all been like, well, sorry, Susie, this seems like your problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> And I think Bye that's, now. yeah, I think that's a thing about like, we all, we all, and I'm including um, Ben and Ross in this, we all are willing to be like, oh, there's a hook. I see the hook. I'm going to grab mm. the hook because like, it's right there dangling in my face. Like, I know, I know what the story is based on how I'm being hooked in. Like a really good example is uh, after Barbarian Chess was a Barbarian mm. Chess and I got the raven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, it's like, oh, well, okay. The grenade is... I have to go to, like, I have to do the thing and go to the library. Okay. How yeah. do I do the thing and go to the library in the in a way that makes sense? Well, I just go and, and pack I, up my stuff and I go. Like, that's, that's how I do that.
0: And I suppose part of that is, you know, we know we're here to create entertainment at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Like, we play for ourselves, but we produce for you. And those things... Uh, don't often conflict. To be fair, it's very rare, nope. but we are aware that we are here to tell stories, and so you know our characters are um, informed by that. And um, I'll probably we have some questions later, so I don't want to talk too much about that, but we'll get into that later. But uh, Kiralee, before you went, thank you so much for um, yeah. for coming on. I did want to talk to you about your uh, your magnum opus, I suppose. <laughs> um, you know, you you spent. I mean, I've been watching this journey sort of through Twitter and various means. Um, You've spent a long time uh, combing through the vast, vast back catalogue of Critical Role and essentially uh, looking at all of the kind of safety tools that they have um, to keep each other as players safe and I guess the audience uh, to a certain extent. And I know um, there was a little bit of discussion about this in the previous common room, but You know, now that the video's out and people can go watch it, I was just really curious to hear about, you know, your journey, about how, you know, why you wanted to do this, you know, how you went about creating it, and also, like, what kind of reception have you had? I mean, from what I can see, a lot of people are, uh, you know, obviously seeing the value of it, so uh, I think it's breaking through for sure, but I'm just curious about, yeah, all of that stuff, really.
1: Um, basically, I'm just a, uh, like a Critical Role fan that uh, knows how to edit video, <laughs> and so um, I make fan edits, like fan cams, except much longer because it's Critical Role, and no compilation of Critical Role is under an hour um and so uh, i've done that for a little while just uh there was one scene one time that i was like oh i really want to see this scene next to that scene and i just edited it together and people watched it and then i did another one another one and uh that's what i normally do but uh, basically i um i'm interested in how uh how safety works with uh role-playing games i know it's really important with improv and so it equally should be very important with uh safety uh, with tabletop role-playing games but it's not that well known and a lot of the safety and a lot of things are very uh if you have friends you probably are just organically using safety tools without even having like a label for them Mm. um anyway so i saw a couple while i was watching critical role and also saw that people get very very distressed as i'm sure some may when your characters on d and doctorates have like a a dispute or something you know something feels like conflict and humans we don't super like conflict um Mm. and so uh people get worried that oh no like their characters had a fight what if they're actually angry at each other, like, in real life. It's the real people. And people get very, like, emotionally distressed by that. And I was like – and it was very obvious to me as somebody who's done a bit of improv that, like, no, these people are fine. They're having so much fun. Um, they're just in character and they're, they're very capable of stepping out of character. And and But it was very obvious that kind of there wasn't a high literacy of those tools. Um, and so – I've done a bit of a sneaky where <laughs> I've used this very popular show to um, to try and highlight those tools. Uh, they're not actually an incredibly good example of a stream that uses safety tools. Like lots of streams mm-hmm. now will have it very, very explicit, very obvious for so the audience is learning about the safety tools. But that's not that's not what Critical World does. That's not like that's not their uh, um their style of play Mm. yeah it's not their MO and also they started playing before any of these types of things were like codified or um Mm. but they do they use a lot of them and they use them very well and what I wanted to highlight was that these things are subtle and organic uh, but they need to be explicit and also just because you think it's basic human decency doesn't mean the next table over understands that. And um, and also, I don't know, so many things. There are people who are neurodivergent who, you know, some things need to be really explicitly stepped out. And so it can be helpful for them. And yeah, so it's scary. It was really scary for me to do because it's basically a video essay, and I had to mm. do a voiceover. Which I'm now realizing, because I'm talking to people on a podcast, the fact that I was worried about doing a voiceover it's probably hilarious. doesn't make sense. <laughs> so that's good. That's a good little reflection for me. Yeah. But, um, uh, but you know, I was worried I'd have like too much of a teacher voice, or I have, mm. and we we have a you know, Australian accents, and that's weird. Uh, and is it is it weird? I don't, well, I don't know. It's like
2: it's weird to the internet, I suppose.
1: Yeah, like eighty-eight percent of my audience, of my like people who watch my videos, are from America. So mm. I don't know. Anyway, uh, lots of people encouraged me, which was really nice, and were like, "No, awesome. this could this could be cool." And I found a small group of people to just random people on the internet to send drafts to, and they gave me really, really good feedback. And I did a lot of research. I Um, Something I've been saying a lot today is that people shouldn't watch that and learn how safety tools work, how to apply them from that video. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more I wanted to show what it looks like. I've linked tools. There are so many people who've worked years, uh, so many women, so many people of color who've worked years uh, making this space safer for minorities, mostly, um, because people have gotten really, really hurt. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, and so uh, now it's out, and people are watching it, and that's wild. It's been a wild like seventy-two hours. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm really excited. There's a couple of people that I an chat with across a couple of different social media platforms that I am very. Mo- I haven't had a chance to like watch the whole thing yet because it's the end of semester and I am crazy town. Um, But that idea of being able to share with those people, like, Hey, you've been looking for a way to introduce the concept of safety tools to your Mm, table mm. because they don't understand that it is a thing that people who play, who know each other really well or whatever, just do naturally. Um, I don't watch critical role much. I've watched some, but I don't watch it. Sorry. Sorry. Internet, I don't. (laughs) It's a big commitment, yeah. I don't have the time to commit four hours a week. I'm real sorry. (laughs) Um, but I have seen footage of like Matt doing the eyebrow raise thing at Ashley, for example. I'm like, Yep, Mm. that's a check in. I know what that looks like because that's me on an improv team with someone else on the line. Like, I do it all the time. Um, Mm. we've had back and forths like, uh, when Uh, Potentia and Harold had an argument about oh it was the one at the party at Mm. Harold's parents party Mm. um, Ross and I had like a back and forth after that just being like we're good right because we hadn't sort of talked about what would happen if and when our characters had disagreements and I think Mm. like, it's fine clearly (laughs) we're we're all still making the pod but like you know there are things that people kind of not neglect to talk about but don't think about how much those check-ins and things can be
0: impactful yeah
1: yeah definitely i've yeah i've had a lot of like um, i'm purposely uh, engaging with people in that uh in the comments section of that video who are like screw this obviously not don't nerf my game that kind of thing um, mm-hmm. and um Uh, i'm purposely engaging with them uh because uh, like that's the whole point of the video is it's for Mm. like educating people and and i i think there are a couple of things that happen when people are really against it one it sounds like a lot of work it's not but it it sounds when somebody starts explaining it to you it sounds like a lot of work um and uh And not only does it sound like a lot of work, it sounds like what you're telling somebody is they can only have like a G or PG game ever again. Like no no more describing graphic violence. Um, You're not allowed to have like any, like nothing blue or like no rudeness. And that's so not what, like that's so not what it is. Like if you want to have the most R-rated game you can possibly have, do it, amazing that's the game that needs the most safety tools because, like, like obviously. But I think the other thing mm. that's happening is that people who have played for, like, 50, 30, however many years, are probably implementing a lot of these strategies already. And it's just, they're like, I don't understand. They, people don't need that. And then I'll be like, okay, so th- tell me about the last time a player character died at your table. What, ha- what like, did you just send your friend home and, uh, like, give them, like... Uh, Pat on the back, bye-bye, like, bye, go home it? now. And they're like, yeah. no, we, you know, we talked about it and we this and this. And I'm like, all that you just said to me, all that is uh, is yeah. safety tools. All that we're doing is putting, is, is putting, like, words around it so that people are empowered to bring it to their DMs, bring it to their tables, so that either problems don't happen or when a problem occurs we all have a joint language around how to deal with that problem because uh i the only problems i've the only times i've ever crossed lines has been on tables of my very bestest friends like I, I've probably said this before on this podcast. I've said this a billion times today. Like, women that I have seen give birth, like, 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 mm. so close. We are so close. But yet, I like, it, just things happen. Like, it, and, and you don't think and you forget somebody's like real life backstory, somebody's real life yeah. uh, situation with their parents or, um, traumas that they've had in their life and you know and and things just happen and so having a way of dealing with that especially with playing you know you guys were all strangers to me before you know we started playing and um so playing with people online or playing with people at uh, at conventions is notorious for things happening when they don't have safety tools in place because you don't you don't know you just don't know what people have gone through what people like and don't like and it can be something as simple as somebody being arachnophobic and you've suddenly got them to fight a giant spider which happens a lot in dnd <laughs> well i was gonna say
2: i i have a deal with i've spoken to ben about it i've spoken to my other dms about it you can use needles in the game you do not inject my character You don't because I am needle phobic. I am perfectly okay with the internet knowing that anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that right now, like (laughs) you don't do it. And the reason you don't do it is I will shut down and I will walk away from the table. Mm -hmm. And that's like, because I'm not putting myself in that position. I also would say the same thing to any DM in person, but Mm. if someone's not willing to acknowledge that, then I'm not going to have a good time at that table. I'm not going to be an interesting person to have around. And I think it's amazing how much people don't think about, those things, basically, Ben, just don't put me in front of, like, a giant echidna, let's go with, or, like, giant creepy surgeon. Mm. Okay. Or rather, just don't describe it. Like, if something's going to happen, yeah. fine, we yeah. just don't yeah. talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It happens, maybe, to someone else, and then we all black out. And I'm like, cool, I understand what has happened. I do not need the panic attack that goes with it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah.
1: And so, like, a conversation I've had a couple of times, and this is kind of... I don't know. This is appropriate for D and because it's very. Um, basically, somebody was like that. Sending me was sending me a bunch of research about why, uh, with people who, who have trauma, avoiding avoiding things that trigger that trauma is actually bad and uh, makes that trauma sort of set in. makes Makes that trauma response set in and uh, become more of a problem in that person's life for a longer period of time. And I was talking with this person. I was like, I see what you're saying. Um however you are not running a D&D get game for somebody to work through their traumas. Yes. That person that person can go that, absolutely. Uh, I, I that person is a wh- probably going through therapy and other things yeah, to help exactly. them with that thing. Yeah. Um, I you are not a horse equipped and, for that. And uh, broke it's my not, back. I absolutely yeah. one day would like to be able to be around horses again. I have no intention for forever like not being able to handle that situation. Yes. However, having a fun game on a Friday night with my friends, it's they not all know, the place. don't throw me off a horse. Like, yeah. and, and that's just a nice thing not to do. Like mm-hmm. if, if your friend is like allergic to something and there's a way to get over that allergy, you don't like force. You're not the person <laughs> you don't force who's forcing me the peanut them.
2: allergy. They're, like peanuts. Yeah, like, yes. no. don't
1: your give job. me peanuts, guys. <laughs> um, and I like, um, I uh, so I like. Obviously, we're in Australia. Run games in Australia um, often. One of the triggers is bushfires. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot. Mm-hmm. Often people who have been through traumatic, yeah, uh, like been in places that have set on fire. That is also a thing that happens in D&D, you know, semi-often. Things catch on fire. That has been something I've been asked to avoid. Equally, I've been in a situation at a group with kids who had been through a bushfire, who brought fire into the game themselves mm. and worked through that and talked through that themselves. That it, that was scary, and I, uh, like debriefed with the coordinator and stuff afterwards, because that had nothing to do with me. I would have never chose that situation. It just kind of happened, but they made a fire break that these are like, these are like eight to 10 year olds. They made a fire break. Mm -hmm. They, um, and this was out, sorry, like in, this was in Braidwood. Um, Mm. So like they were, these were farming kids. They knew how to deal with this fire Um, and they dealt with it and they put it out and at the end of the game I wasn't okay (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I was like okay okay no one was re-traumatized by that obviously (laughs) everybody Mm -hmm. is okay but I had to have a moment as sort of the teacher in that situation where I was like okay, okay, and then I was speaking to the person who, you know, was coordinating and we both agreed that, like, that was really positive. But I wouldn't have gone into that game being like, these kids have been through a bushfire. I'm going to put a Mm. bushfire in the game to, you know, because they really need to face that. (laughs) Like, no way. That's so dangerous. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been Uh, good. It's it's been received fairly well. Touch wood. Like, it's just at that stage, YouTube videos kind of, go out in waves so like it's Mm. just a stage where it's like people who like critical role people who already like safety tools people who already subscribe to me and so Mm. eventually it's going to you know be recommended to a broader and broader audience and that's when there'll be people who really disagree but the ones who are respectful i'll chat to and the ones who aren't i can block them
0: yes yes The internet think, has its
1: own
2: safety tools. Yeah. It's the yeah. block yeah. button. Jordan Muscoplis yeah,
3: says something that's incredible about that, just quietly, and I really yeah. enjoy the way that she puts it. She says, "This is my garden, and I decide what grows it's here.
2: Grows here.
0: It's yeah, beautiful. And I, I really think really that's the it. thing, right? The block Her is, says it too is <laughs> yeah. so good. Just use it. No one has a right to come into your yeah your yeah. back garden and and become it's a, a, a safety pest. tool. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, these games are supposed to be uh, relaxing or a safe haven for a lot of people. Mm. Um, even if that relaxation takes the form of, uh, you know, or death being around every corner, yeah. virtually speaking. Even if it's uh, cath-
1: cathartic relaxation, yeah. it's still yeah.
0: But if yeah. if that, but if if keeping it that way takes just that tiny bit of extra effort just to make sure the person next to you is also feeling relaxed and having fun, then, you know, just, just do it. It, You know, Mm. that's the whole point. I I don't think that at any point your fun should come at the expense of someone else. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we collaborate because we're, we're trying to have fun together. And if you have an issue with that, I would say that maybe you're not right for the rest of the group. Often I see, you know, oh, well, if, You should leave the group if it makes you uncomfortable. No, no. If someone, if someone at that table is making other people uncomfortable, they're the ones that have to go, not you. So, Mm. uh, and, and that's not, that's not easy, is it? I, I, I understand that I'm lucky that I'm, I'm quite assertive as a person. Uh, A lot of people are going to struggle to speak up and that's why, um, I really think you should watch this video and research safety tools because it it might not always be a verbal thing it might be something a lot more subtle and uh, i think getting to know that is really worthwhile yeah mm. i agree yeah yeah well Kimberly, thanks so much for joining us it's always a pleasure to have you on the show in one form or other um, mm. i'm sure it won't be too long before we have you on again it's always nice <laughs> to have uh it's 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 weird as an australian saying a local because you live so far away <laughs> From me at least, <laughs> we're all in different cities. Yeah, all five true. of us right all now.
2: Five but
3: obviously, we're in different states as well. Just quietly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Technically the
2: Australian Capital Territory
0: yeah. is a territory, not and a state.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> in then. New South Wales. Just me. Just yeah, you? yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. But um, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, we all played in a game with people from various parts of the world the other day, and uh, we are going to be airing that on our channel as well. Um, because it was a really cool adventure, and a lot of the stuff that we were just talking about um, subtly kind of comes into that game in a lot of ways. Uh, because the story of that game is is kind of follows a lot of those themes in a in an interesting way. And um, we'll be airing that I think on Mondays, so that um, you we'll know see. it's kind of like yeah. a bonus. And we'll probably air it, air it in a couple of parts. But yeah. Um, Hopefully, you can sort of get a sense of Hit Dice Heroes and what they're all about. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really look forward to the, the next collab. Um, you know, maybe some more kobold action. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that would be fun. I, I do have so more much.
0: heist plans.
1: Nice. No. And a financial year
2: heist, study one. And a financial year heist. <laughs>
3: Hey, Kirli, it's always so good to see you. And every time you come on the podcast, I am just so blown away by how much, how deeply you think about this kind of thing. And I learned so much from you. It's just so good.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate, um, yeah, I appreciate I'm not a a core character that uh, the listeners probably uh, want want to hear or like like I can imagine them just like listening to this podcast and being like but the law I have questions about the law Please. we have other this we have other important. episodes
2: of the common room to talk about law we do and we do it, and I'm sure we will go on and on about law so
1: yeah so yeah. thank you very much I have enjoyed um myself immensely
0: Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Common Room. We'll be back next Monday with more behind-the-scenes Dungeons & Doctors chat. See you then.